Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Happy Saturday. Welcome into the podcast, The Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast. Today, we have the amazingly talented actress, Dee Dee Pfeiffer. Yes, sister to Michelle Pfeiffer of the Pfeiffer family. We talk about the legacy that she is a part of, but also we caught up with her while she was in quarantine over in Canada filming the current season of Big Sky on ABC. And uh, she plays Denise Brisbane. If you haven't seen the show, check it out. It's streaming. It's online. You can check it out now. This was about a month ago, I would say. We're running behind. I apologize. Shout out to Anthony Turk for making this interview possible for Turk Entertainment, Turk Public Relations. Didi was so nice, so much fun, and we just had a blast, and we laughed a lot. So much covered in this conversation, and she's very honest and sincere about her sobriety and just so many different things. I think this is going to be... Super important for everybody listening. Head over to the podcast website, brettallenshow.com. Check out all the latest episodes. Send us a message on Instagram, on Twitter at Brett Allen Show. Give us a kind rating and review and follow over on Apple Podcast and share it with a friend. It's absolutely free. Welcome into the show, the talented and wonderful Dee Dee Pfeiffer. You're listening to The Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast. Have you subscribed to this show yet? I've tried bribes. I've tried gifts. You should. It's absolutely free. I even sent him some pet oxen. Now back to the show with your host, Brad Allen. Idly hey. Welcome to another episode of The Brad Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished. A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. Didi, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here today. Thank you, Brett. Thank you for having me. Dee Dee Pfeiffer, goodness gracious, there are so many things that I have to ask you. I've been a fan for a very, very long time, but let's just start with what's obvious. You mentioned to me before we started recording that you are in Canada, back on quarantine, and you are working on what? I won't steal your thunder. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, thank you so, so much for being a fan that I always like, I love hearing that. <laughs> um uh, Big Sky, ABC, Tuesday nights. I played Denise, the redhead. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. It's a great show. We're really excited. We're still filming it right now. We're not on the air. So if you haven't seen us yet, you can go on Hulu and binge us, which is a great binging show. Because, Or, you know, the old fashioned way, when we come back on the air, we do. We are on every Tuesday night and you, you can wait till the next week, which is kind of exciting because we almost always have a cliffhanger. Every yeah, yeah. You guys yeah. do a darn good job of the cliffhangers. So I understand not to make it about the quarantine, but they're pretty strict there in Canada as far as like literally two weeks of quarantining. Like here in the U.S., if I go somewhere from like the Bay to Southern California, two weeks is kind of a loose term. They don't really monitor it. But there, the Mounties, I understand, and all of that. Well, people are pretty intense. Oh, Brett, you know, it's so true. And, you know, I really respect that, that the Canadians um, are, they really, really are taking this seriously. And yes. that doesn't mean 
that does not mean that there's not some Canadians who are anti-maskers, who don't believe in, who think it's a conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. There are those as well. But for the most part, the majority of the Canadians are like, we're not messing with this. These are people's lives. And that includes those of us who come over the borders to shoot our shows here. And there's a lot of shows being shot in Canada. So this is my third time. I'm in a two week quarantine. Immigration calls you randomly or they will show up at your door. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. And if they discover at all that you're breaking quarantine and that means leaving your environment or seeing anybody, they will immediately find you and they will kick you out and back to your homeland, which they've done. And um, so this is, I went home just for a minute to see my boys. So talk about mama bear. So that, that meant I had to come back and do the whole quarantine thing again. But this time they added something to it. They have a mandatory government three-day hotel that you have to go to when you come over. Like really? They so that. they've added to the process. Yeah, you don't get to just go quarantine wherever you want. In the beginning, you have to tip in three days, $2,000. Ouch, that hurts. Um, but they're making it really serious. Like if you're gonna do this, we're gonna make it difficult for you, not very appealing to go back and forth over the borders, bringing, spreading that COVID around and the new variant. So um, as we speak, I'm on my third day of quarantine. Thank you for having me on your interview. It gives me something to do. <laughs> Does the studio pay for that initial hotel stop? <laughs> you don't have to answer if you oh. don't. <laughs> no, no, no. If they flew me home for a reason and flew me back, they would pay for it. Otherwise, that was on my dime. That came out of my paycheck. So I told <laughs> the boys when they get older, they owe me. They owe me big. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you are a mother of two bright and talented young men. I We've already mentioned this, so let's just talk about it. Do they have any interest in the business? Family business is really what it is. I mean, not at all. Not even a little. Really? They won't even watch my show. Brett, they won't even watch my show. Because <laughs> I have the craziest, most normal boys. They're 15 and 18. And I, when I first got on the show, I was all excited. They're like, yeah, that's fine. That's good. I'm like, no, guys, really? I'm going to be on Uncle David's show. It's so cool. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Does that mean we can order more Domino's? I'm like, well, yeah. And they're like, okay, then it's cool. You know? <laughs> so then... When I got on the show, I assumed that they were watching it. And then all of a sudden, by the second time, they're like, oh, yeah. One said, I had homework. I didn't see your show, mom. And the other one said he had a headache. And I was like, what? What's going on here? So That's I interesting to have one, two, several famous family members mm -hmm. in the business. Ironically, not even any of the older stuff. They're just not interested. Well, I guess I could oh. be. A positive for you in the sense of the momager part, I guess, if they decided to get into it one day, well, you would know what to expect. Their Aunt Michelle or any of Uncle David's shows, because see, for them, I said to them, why are you not watching my show? That's so rude. And they said, Mom, I'm really honest with you. It's just weird. OK, it's just too weird to, to, to watch your mother on TV. It's just too weird. And I said, you know, I kind of get that. Right. And my Matt, my younger son said he was watching it and it was really he said it was a really good show. And then you came on and I had to shut it off. Well, I guess it could be a dig if they said, well, we love to watch Aunt Michelle's movies. Yeah, yeah. Some very classic films, you know. Yeah, <laughs> no, really... they got into, it's too weird. They're like, that's Aunt Michelle. So interesting. They're, they're very like normal boys. Like if you were to see your mom on on TV, wouldn't it be weird? Yeah, it would be weird. Well, I kind of get it like. You know, when you're in the creative arts or film television, I guess unless you're just they've obviously grown up with it. But to be able to separate it, I guess, stereotypically, a lot of kids who have parents that are in the business, they tend to sort of 
follow that path just because it's organic for them. But I guess it's a very positive thing that if they're just not interested, they're not interested, I guess. And that's good. My boys are not interested at all. Um, one of my son loves forging. He forges Damascus knives, like like forging in fire. That's my boy. Okay. Um, and he's also like the animal whisperer and he loves science. That's the younger one. And the older one is like a classic prodigy piano. He plays classic piano. We don't know how without reading music. He looks at other people's fingers on the internet and can play incredible complex pieces. And he's also a second degree black belt. Um, so I guess in a sense, they do have that creative gene in them as far as like just the arts, but which is good, but not necessarily being in front of the screen like mom oh, or Aunt Michelle. As we, I don't even have her. any pictures of them. They refuse. Like we don't, it's funny, we don't really even do Instagram or they don't have face. They have Instagram accounts, but like my one son posts animal pictures and the other one just like random stuff, but they really, we we are not like into selfies. We're not into watching ourselves or each other. Of course. We're just, yeah, we're um, very normal that way. Um, like I cannot stand watching myself on the show. I love the show. Don't get me wrong. But I have never liked like watching myself. myself and it certainly hasn't gotten any better since I'm getting older on screen. I was like, <laughs> oh, when did that happen? You know, you disappear for 10 years and then they put a camera on you. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's an industry, though, that oftentimes is not super forgiving. But for you, yeah. it's been great because you did go away for a long time, but it wasn't for what most people would assume. Mm -hmm. Most Hollywood actors go away for nefarious reasons. You went away and you just took some time with life and family and school, which was fantastic. At what point did you just decide, you know, I need to take a break from all of this and just focus on myself and really kind of what direction I want my life to go separate from this Hollywood world that you've been a part in literally for decades. Since I was 18. Yeah. You know, Brad, I'm glad you asked that question because it's so important for me as a, as a single mother to express to my boys that the world is your palette. If you allow it to be, if you say it's not, then it's, it'll never be right. right. So I'm 57. I turned 57 in this hotel room <laughs> on the new year in quarantine I might have <laughs> I've been spending a lot of time in quarantine and it was great you know because I was being safe and and I turned 57 another year but the bottom line is I went to school 10 years ago in my 40s having had been an actor since my I was like 18 you know 30 plus years and and long story short at this point I'm raising two young boys on my own I didn't like what was going on in the industry when it came to women and how we right. were being treated. Men were getting like chubby and gray and wrinkles and they're getting sexier and getting more roles. And we dare do that and we're unemployed, right? And I kept thinking to myself, how, what, what message is this? Am I telling my boys that this is okay, that I'm, I'm a part of that, right? And we can be rebellious and not get facelifts and, and get chubby and lose our hair. But then again, I, we make a point and we're, the point is you're home, you're gonna, <laughs> You're unemployed, like I said. Um, and I couldn't financially take care of my children that way. But then I also was looking around the world and I noticed there's a lot of social welfare issues that were really bothering me above and beyond just all the volunteer work that I used to do. And then I realized that the industry wasn't as loyal to me anymore as I was to it. And I thought, I don't have to do this anymore. I want to help people. So I literally marched up the, the driveway of a community college in LA and said, hey, I want to help people. 
I think I need a degree. And they were like, well, which degree? I said, I don't know. You tell me. And they're like, that's not how it works. <laughs> I go, I've never been to college a day in my life. I graduated in 82 when dinosaurs were around. We didn't have cell phones, no computers. I mean, and I barely graduated and they were like, oh Lord. So they said, well, do you want a psych degree? And I went, sure. That sounds good. <laughs> they were like, okay. So they tested me and I barely tested in second grade math and writing. And I didn't know anything, a thesis statement, didn't know how to take a note nothing. So I started from below bottom. I found out I had learning disabilities to boot, which was very freeing, I might add. I grew up thinking I was just stupid. I was always put in the dummy reading group and the dummy math group. And they said, actually, you're quite bright. You just have, a, you have learning disabilities. So community college helped me with my self-esteem because I realized I wasn't stupid and that I could do these things. I just need a little extra help. I need a little extra time. And I, I went from like barely a C student to A's. And I ended up graduating. It took me four years to get my AA, uh, two years to get my bachelor's of psych, and then three years to get my two-year master's of social work. Because I decided as a social worker, it was a broader degree and I could help more people. And what I learned was more about social welfare issues on a macro, meso, and micro level, meaning policy, communities, and individual perspectives of looking at social problems. And, um, and also in there, I might add, the reason why it took me three years to get a two-year degree, because I took a year off to get sober and I'm in recovery. I'm almost three years sober because- Wow, I had that's to admit fantastic. That, there you go. I had to admit that I was an alcoholic because if I didn't, it was just going to kill me. And I was one of the scarier ones because I was a high-functioning alcoholic, super high-functioning alcoholic getting A's, raised my boys, never, never drank during school or doing films or anything like that. Right. But that did not mean I was, I wasn't struggling. So a lot has changed and um, yeah, I'm, I love life right now. Um, it's all good. And I want to talk about addiction because that's my area of concentration and mental health and those experiencing homelessness. And I'm also being doing beans and I'm an actor again. <laughs> I'm doing yeah, it all. I mean, you've got the best of all the worlds and I think, you know, again, we alluded to this earlier, sometimes the industry, it seems specifically, as you mentioned, for women is cannot be super forgiving, depending on how your career goes. But you, you got a very early start at 18, you just literally exploded and you were doing everything, magazines, film, television, like all of it. And for an 18 year old, that had to have been just a lot of pressure, I would imagine, you know, to be able to perform at such a high level and have this struggle that you were dealing with at the same time, you know, like it had to just be completely causing you mental anguish to like be able to balance both worlds. But yet, as you said, you were high functioning, which I know some people that way. It's, it's quite impressive how people can do that. You know, it's impressive until they hit rock bottom. And, and I will say this, Trauma and addiction love each other. They They're do. Almost always out on a big fat date together. So what happens is, is that you, what I discovered is that you can get people um, sober or not using their DOC, their drug of choice. And that can be alcohol, meth, heroin, food, sex, gambling. It's all an addiction. All of it. Yeah, it doesn't really matter the area or the, the DOC, the drug of choice. And it doesn't have to be a drug drug. It's whatever you're abusing, where it affects your life in a negative way. That's it right? And we have, it's not, not using that where it's abusive, okay, or hurting you, but the why you're doing it, 
It's the why. And that's almost always about undiagnosed or unassessed for trauma and untreated trauma. Otherwise, you're looking at relapse. Relapse is just waiting to happen unless you deal with the why. And for me, that was a big one, you know, being traumatized. And everyone's trauma looks different. It starts in, sometimes in your childhood a little later in life. Um, and then it kind of creates sometimes the dominoes effects. You know, once you're traumatized, then it becomes familiar. And then you unfortunately put yourself in other positions where you're continuing the trauma just kind of keeps compounding. And then to kill that pain, you want to use something outside yourself. Because what I've discovered is that they're the treatments that are out there, not all of them are very effective. Just and, and throwing a pill at it is not going to make the trauma go away. Not to say pills and anti-anxieties or antidepressants are not effective because they are. I'm here to say they are. That in conjunction with a good treatment plan, I think is a good combination. I get it. I, I completely get it. You know, I didn't even know I had PTSD from other things in my life until I got married. And then all of a sudden it like came out and I'm not married any longer, but his mother and I, we have a very successful co-parenting relationship and he's about to turn seven. So he knows bits and pieces just from what are obvious to him. But, you know, I agree with you that those things, medication is very helpful, but also getting the help that you need, therapy, whatever the case might be, something that you can put into practice to help you work through those things and sort of get you to a place where you can function normally and not necessarily medicated or anything. You know, for me, it was food and money. Those were the two drugs of choice, you know, spending or hoarding more so for me. Um, And, you know, just because I'm Jewish doesn't mean I'm cheap. It's just, I was struggling with holding on to money and looking back at my life going, well, my parents didn't want to spend a lot of money. They, they held on to it. So it's kind of transferred to me. And so finding the positives in that and not just, you know, having people go, oh, you know, he's doesn't like to spend, but recognizing there are other issues there. Do you find greater joy as a performer and actor, or does this other side of you as as a counselor and somebody who helps people, which, which is more appealing to you? I mean, obviously, or both, I mean, do you enjoy both or does one give you greater joy than the other? It's actually funny. You mentioned it. I have to say both because there was a time last 10 years, I would say absolutely helping people. Absolutely. And yet when I was offered this role and this opportunity to be on big sky with this fantastic cast, I might add, and the writers and just everyone involved with this project are so amazing. I realized, wait a minute, I have this, I just graduated in 2022 while doing the pilot of this show. So I was like, wait a minute, I'm now a social worker. I can go out and help people. And now I'm on the show. And then I had to kind of uh, relook at my situation and say, Didi, hold on. This is another way of helping people through a really tough time during the pandemic. I get to help entertain by being a part of Big Sky. And once a week, people having something to look forward to when the rest of the week might be shit because of the pandemic just screwing everything up, right? I get to be helpful in that way right now. And what I always wanted to do with my degree was to help people on a larger scale somehow. And now being on the show, that's going to give me the opportunity to bridge my social worker skills and my education along with my fan base. Thank you very much, including you. Um, hopefully to create a show around um, a show through the social worker's perspective. I'm looking at social welfare issues, kind of like a talk show kind of thing. I'm actually really interested in, in uh, creating something like that. Um, I just have to get out of this quarantine situation and... and <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, and during my hiatus on the show, I want to bridge them both together. In other words. Yeah. Maybe even a podcast. I think you would be really well at that. So um, I think that's great. I just feel that connection. And I mean, obviously we're thankful that you're on television and just the career that you've had, and it's just had such longevity. And I imagine too, with that special skill set that you have, you probably have a chance to talk to a lot of your coworkers, so to speak, young actors, maybe even who come to you for advice and just really kind of maybe help them put their head on straight, so to speak. Uh, when they, did I just snorted there when they, when they come in, <laughs> when they come in and just kind of go, Hey, you know, I know who you are and this is kind of the struggles that I have and maybe give them like a broader perspective as a performer and just an individual as a human, I think. Yeah, I have. Yeah, definitely. It's like who it's funny. Somebody asked me the other day, how is it different from 10 years ago to now? It's like night and day. Oh, I'm sure. Night and day. Part of it is dealing with my trauma and, and my addiction. That's a huge one, but also um, because in the process of in my recovery, I had to rediscover what my values were and to make sure that my values were in harmony with my behavior. And it's, it's like funny people go, what does that even mean? Well, someone asked me, what are you in rehab? I went to rehab. Yes, I did. There it is. Um, one thing I really also want to do is be able to have conversations like this with people and not have it be taboo. Because when I'm on the set, Brett, let me tell you, when I go, hey, I'm DD Fiverr and I'm sober. <laughs> They're like, whoa, why is she so loud about that? And I'm like, some loud and proud. And I'm telling you, it's not easy every day, especially during the pandemic, to not use. And I quit smoking, which that one actually is harder. But you know what I mean? It's like, I just I get it. Yeah, right, dude. Don't even get me started about the cigarettes. But um, how <laughs> do use the same principle not to drink as to do that? And it is whack-a-mole with addiction. It's whack-a-mole, right? It's like, oh, you stopped drinking, so then my smoking went off the chart. Quit smoking, then I started eating like a crazy person. Stop eat, stop doing that, then I started working out like a crazy person. Hopefully, you just whack that mole into a mole that working out too much is not a bad thing. <laughs> but anything too extreme is, you know, is the key, right? It's moderation, which I hate that word. I'm all or nothing thinking, which is so bad. Black and white, all or nothing. Well, most actors and art folks are, but, but you seem to obviously have a grip on that. And I get it. I mean, my landlord slash roommate, she's 15 years sober. So, you know, it's a lot of playing cards and going to the casino and uh, I don't keep alcohol in my house slash studio just for the respect. Even though I sell wine for a living, I, I don't drink it just because it just doesn't appeal to me in that sense. But that's kind of another conversation. But I get it. So I'm very curious and I want to ask this and I don't know how often you get asked it. But when you when you kind of got started and you were going through all of this, did any of it do you find as you went through therapy and sort of rehab and working through all this did it have to do anything with getting started so young and then having a sister who had experienced equal amounts of success so quickly like both of you just went off like skyrockets when you started does do you do you attribute to any of that just feeling the pressures of that and being competitive at all you don't have to get specific about situations but i'm very curious how that works having a sibling who is in the same industry as you and and you both are successful, but then sort of branch off and go in separate directions as far as career paths, if that question makes any sense. And I mean that really just out of general curiosity, this isn't a gotcha question, but I'm just kind of curious, like, how does that all work? Like, how do you mitigate all of that, that that's happening in your life? 
No, that's an honest question. And I, I know a lot of people are interested in the answer because I, I get that a lot, actually, even in real life. It's, there's this assumption that I should be jealous because she's so flipping beautiful, and gorgeous. And maybe talented. or maybe not. You know, I don't know. I guess yeah. it depends. Well, wouldn't I'd be jealous if she was my sister, that whole kind of like internal. Um, I would have to say someone's narrative that's projecting onto me. Yes. If my sister was a, a, an asshole, then it would be really easy to take to, to, to be like angry at her and jealous. But because she's such an amazing human being, she is really one of the most beautiful in, inside people that you will meet kind, generous, uh, compassionate. She cares so much about people. And that includes her family, her friends, her children. Other people in the world, her and David are so generous with their donations. I mean, she's really this amazing woman. And mind you, remember, like before Shel- Michelle, how's I Shell? Before she was who she is, there was a Pfeiffer family unit. Yes. There was Michelle, Didi, and Lori. I was a middle girl. I was a middle child, Stereo- stereotypical middle child, always overlooked. Right. Because he because my older brother was quiet. He got smacked once by my dad and that was it. He disappeared. He said, I'm out, I'm out of here. He was a smart one. Whereas Michelle was loud and would argue with my dad because they were a lot alike, very German and hot blooded and yelling. And, you know, and I would be sitting there going, can we just please all get together and love each other? And then my little sister, Lori, was always out skating. <laughs> All I remember is Michelle getting in trouble. Rick was gone and Lori skating all the time. And I was inside the house cleaning and rearranging the furniture, just inside dying, going, can't we all just get along? I was that child, right? Okay. So I was already overlooked. So there's my like already internal scar. So when I got older and Michelle was successful and then I started getting my own success or even before that, I remember standing at a black tie affair. The heels, the gorgeous dress, hadn't eaten in two weeks to make sure I fit into the whole thing. And reporters stepping on my toes and shoving me aside to get to her. Now, normally someone would get angry at their sister for that as if she has anything to do with that. Oh no, I was angry at her fault. I was just like, wow, people, rude. Yeah. Rude. And all that did was trigger my little girl inside, once again, feeling like ignored. Like, right. So I would tell, I told her, I was like, this jerk, oh my God, like five of them, like literally stampeded my feet in my heels, pushed me aside in a long evening gown just to get a picture of her. And she was just enraged at them, not me. And she just said, I don't know what it must feel like to be somebody around me. Like she, she gets, she doesn't get it, but yet she understands how hard that must be. Yeah. No, I've heard that before. Like, it's yeah. really like not her fault at no. all that she's successful or even you or anybody that is a celebrity. Like it's hard. I think, uh, you know, I hear these people talk about, you know, trying to be humble and kind and honest and courteous and gracious. And before I started talking to celebrities, like I really didn't get it. I was like, well, wh- how hard could that be? But then after doing this for several years and talking to folks like yourself and others, I get it because like we have this, I don't say me necessarily, but other people have this picture in their mind of who you should be or who you might be on screen Mm -hmm. or something like that. And so we automatically capture and just assume that's how you should be in real life. And that's not always necessarily the case. And if you can get past all of that Mm -hmm. and realize that you're a human being just like anybody else, and for her, the struggles that she had, you know, some people might go, oh, poor her. But really, it's like, you know, it's hard to 
to maintain that and still be a human and an individual. And I think you both have just done really great just in the press that I've seen from you and all of that. And, and not to overfocus on Aunt Michelle as we so kindly referred to her. But really just, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> yeah, just kind of curious, like how that dynamic works. So you've done a lot. You took a break. You went to school. Now you're on this fantastic show, Big Sky, and you've just done so much. Looking back at your career, like, would there have been anything that you would have addressed or done differently when you first started, or maybe some advice that somebody gave you that you perhaps wished you would have taken, or would you have just left everything the same and, and your career path has been what it has been? Um, that's a great question. I mean, there's always Monday, Monday morning quarterbacking, that whole thing. Um, but the, I think for me to say I would do something different means that I have regrets. Sure. And I'm, I'm nervous about even going there. I mean, I think everybody could probably go back and say I'd do something different. But then if I did even one thing different, the trajectory of my life would be would be changed and I wouldn't be here, for instance, talking to you with right. these two beautiful children that I love so much and these Canadian birds out on my balcony that I feed all the time. <laughs> During <laughs> I adopted Canadian birds. It's and and my life right now, which I have to say I'm so happy that and also I think part of my recovery is staying in the now. Right. Being like really, I know that sounds so like oh my god, ooh, goo, 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 not goo. really. No, it makes perfect sense. I hear it all the time. People who call me crazy, all I have to say is this. There's no healing in the past. Nothing happens actively in the past back there. So if right now in this moment, I'm thinking of something in the past, you know, then I'm not here in the moment unless it's happening right now. Do you know what I mean? So I, I just kind of really try to stay right here planted on, you know, um, with you in this moment. And um it's, I have to say, I, I really do love my life. So I'm going to say, no, I wouldn't change anything. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've had a, such a phenomenal career, just everything that you've done and really it just stands alone and, and you are a mom, which is fantastic. You have wonderful children and you really have, you're an example of the fact that you, as we mentioned early on, when we first started, you know, life is your palate and you can make it what you want it to make it. And you've done that with everything that you've done, every career choice, taking a break, going to school. And now here you are on this television show, which people need to watch. Yeah. And it's a great show. I mean, it's you have not, nothing else to do. Nice We're TV still in lockdown somewhat. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, just binge it on Hulu, which is what I've done. And just watch it episodically i mean you know that's what we used to do back in the day before we had dvrs you know something brett i'm sorry i am going to add something to your question okay i'm not going to say i'd go back and change anything but it would have been really nice if i wasn't so damn insecure for so many years of my life sure yeah i mean that was painful when you're so insecure and and you have undiagnosed trauma and you're just trying to treat it yourself with abusing yourself, whether it's starvation, anorexia, the f food eating disorders I've had and the, you know, the, that whole thing. And then the alcoholism, um, you know, it's, that stuff is not fun. That's looking back. That was painful. That was painful. It would have been nice not to have had that be part of my journey, but guess what it was, but he, here's the beauty of it. It's not who I am now. Right. It doesn't define Thank you. you. <laughs> Cause that yeah. was, 
that was taking me to my knees, right? Yeah. All of this was taking me to my knees and I wasn't living life to its fullest because that's what this is about. I mean, I could leave this quarantine, not now, but in two weeks and get hit by a car and then I'm done, at least with this body, not my soul. My soul goes on, but right in this body. So I want this life to be as full as it possibly can, whatever that means. So I'm not gonna let age tell me that I can't go to school and earn a degree or age say that I can't get a date because I would still like to date again one day. <laughs> After yes. three failed divorces, I'm still not giving up. <laughs> Unless it's George Costanza that comes and introduces oh. himself to you and says, hi, my name is George and I still live with my parents. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> oh, yeah. That, that was fun. I'll never forget that. I was like, talk about scared and insecure. I swear. I, I was like, do they know they hired me? I think they made a mistake. I think they wanted the actress behind me in the waiting room. They, you know, I still to this day, I'm in shock that I got that role. Really? Why? Just because it was like such a popular show and they picked you or? I'm still wondering why I got this role on Big Sky, babe. That's just the way. Yeah. You know, when I talk to these actors and I don't know if you ever saw the show, Your Honor, the limited series on HBO. And I interviewed two of the stars from it. And they both said the same thing. Like, they're like, I don't know how I made this. I feel like I hijacked my way onto the show. But, <laughs> but I can imagine, you know, in the 90s, you know, Seinfeld ruled the airwaves. And it was kind of like everybody who wanted to get a walk on, you know, on Cheers, that time frame. And then Seinfeld came along and Roseanne and all these other shows. And any celebrity who we didn't know who they were, somehow made their way on there and now they're all famous like yourself so you know you know yeah. but I think you know out of all the sitcom arcs that you did I think that's probably my favorite just to be honest I love Seinfeld but I mean you did so many others you did Sybil you did Friends you just did them all in major way and now we have this fantastic show which we will link the episode uh, notes in it so people can check out Big Sky they haven't seen it yet it's a fun show it's exciting it's mysterious it keeps you on the edge of your seat and hopefully you know you survived this quarantine <laughs> and uh we look forward to a lot more from you Didi. it's just been a lot of fun you're the best thank you for joining me today i appreciate it thank you brett for having me this has been beautiful that brings today's show to a close goodly do thanks for stopping by if you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.